Section 1 of The Morals, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Alan Brown. The Morals, Volume 2, by Plutarch. Translated by several hands. Corrected and revised by William W. Goodwin. Section 1, Part 1, The Banquet of the Seven Wise Men. The Seven, Solon, Bias, Thales, Anacarsis, Cleobulus, Pittacus, Chilo, Niloxenus, Eumatus, Alexidemus, Periander, Ardalus, Aesop, Cleodemus, Menisiphilus, Cerseus, Gorgias, Diocles, Diocles to Nicarchus. One, no wonder, my friend Nicarchus, to find old truths so disguised, and the words and actions of men so grossly misrepresented and lamely delivered, seeing people are so disposed to give ear and credit to fictions of yesterday's standing for there were not merely seven present at that feast as you were informed there were more than double the number i was there myself in person and familiarly acquainted with periander my art had gained me his acquaintance and thales boarded at my house at the request and upon the recommendation of periander whoever then gave you that account of our feast did it very badly it is plain he did it upon hearsay and that he was not there among us now since we are together and at leisure and possibly we may not live to find an opportunity so convenient another time i will seeing you desire it give you a faithful account of the whole proceedings at that meeting two periander had prepared a dinner for us not in the town but in a dining hall at lecaeum which stands close to the temple of venus to whom there was a sacrifice that day for having neglected the duty ever since his mother died for love he was resolved now to atone for the omission being warned so to do by the dreams of melissa in order thereunto there was provided a rich chariot for every one of the guests it was summer time and every part of the way quite to the seaside was hardly passable by reason of throngs of people and whole clouds of dust as soon as thales espied the chariot waiting at the door he smilingly discharged it and we walked through the fields to avoid the press and noise there was in our company a third person niloxenus a naucratian an eminent man who was very intimately acquainted with solon and thales in egypt he had a message to deliver to Bias, and a letter sealed, the contents whereof he knew not, only he guessed it contained a second question to be resolved by Bias, and in case Bias undertook not to answer it, he had in commission to impart it to the wisest men in Greece. "'What a fortune is this,' quoth Niloxenus, "'to find you all together. This paper, showing it us, I am bringing to the banquet.' Thales replied, after his wonted smiling way, If it contains any hard question, 
away with it to Priene. Bias will resolve it with the same readiness he did your former problem. What problem was that? quoth he. Why, saith Thales, a certain person sent him a beast for sacrifice with this command, that he should return him that part of the flesh which was best and worst. Our philosopher very gravely and wisely pulled out the tongue of the beast and sent it to the donor, which single act procured him the name and reputation of a very wise man. It was not this act alone that advanced him in the estimation of the world, quoth Niloxenus, but he joyfully embraces what you so carefully shun, the acquaintance and friendship of kings and great men, and whereas he honors you for diverse great accomplishments, he particularly admires you for this invention, that with little labor and no help of any mathematical instrument you took so truly the height of one of the pyramids for fixing your staff erect at the point of the shadow which the pyramid cast, two triangles being thus made by the tangent rays of the sun, you demonstrated that what proportion one shadow had to the other, such the pyramid bore to the stick. But as I said, you are accused of being a hater of kings, and certain back friends of yours have presented Amasis with a paper of yours stuffed with sentences reproachful to majesty, as, for instance, being at a certain time asked by Malpagoras, the Ionian, what the most absurd thing was you had observed in your notice. You replied, an old king, another time in a dispute that happened in your company about the nature of beasts, you affirmed that of wild beasts a king of tame a flatterer was the worst. Such apothems must needs be unacceptable to kings, who pretend there is a vast difference between them and tyrants. This was Pittacus's reply to Merciless, and it was spoken in jest, quoth Thales, nor was it an old king, I said I should marvel at, but an old pilot. In this mistake, however, I am much of the youth's mind, who, throwing a stone at a bitch, hit his stepmother, adding, not so bad. I therefore esteemed Solon a very wise and good man, when I understood he refused empire. And if Pittacus had not taken upon himself a monarchy, he had never exclaimed, O oh, ye gods, how hard a matter it is to be good! And Periander, however, he seems to be sick of his father's disease, is yet to be commended that he gives ear to wholesome discourses, and converses only with wise and good men rejecting the advice of Thrasybulus, my countryman, who would have persuaded him to chop off the heads of his nobility. For a prince that chooses rather to govern slaves than freemen is like a foolish farmer who throws his wheat and barley in the streets to fill his barns with swarms of locusts and whole cages of birds, for government has one good thing to make amends for the many evils attending it, namely honor and glory, provided the ruler rules good men, because he's better than they, and great men seeming to be greater than they. But he that, having ascended the throne, minds only his own interest and ease, remitting all care and concern for the welfare of the subject, is fitter to tend sheep 
or to drive horses or to feed cattle than to govern men of reason but this stranger continues he has engaged us in a deal of impertinent chat for we have neglected to speak or offer any discourse suitable to the occasion and end of our meeting for doubtless it becomes the guest as well as the host to make preparation beforehand it is reported that the sybarites used to invite their neighbors wives a whole twelvemonth before to their entertainments that they might have convenient time to trim and adorn themselves for my part i am of opinion that he who would feast as he should ought to allow himself more time for preparation than they it being a more difficult matter to compose the mind into an agreeable temper than to fit one's clothes for the outward ornament of the body for a prudent man comes not hither only to fill his belly as if he were to fill a bottle but to be sometimes grave and serious sometimes pleasant sometimes to listen to others and sometimes to speak himself what may benefit or divert the company if the meeting is intended for any good use or purpose for if the victuals be not good men may let them alone or if the wine be bad men may use water but for a weak-headed impertinent unmannerly shallow fellow commoner there is no cure he mars all the mirth and music and spoils the best entertainment in the world and it will be no easy business to rid oneself of a sullen temper when once entertained since we find diverse men affronted in their debauches have yet remembered the provocation to their dying day the spite remaining like a surfeit arising from wrong done or anger conceived in drinking wine wherefore chilo did very well and wisely for when he was invited yesterday he would not promise to come till he had a particular given him of all their names who were to meet him for quoth he if my business calls me to see or i am pressed to serve my prince in his wars there is a necessity upon me to rest contented with whatever company i fall into though never so unsuitable to my quality or disagreeable to my nature and humour but voluntarily and needlessly to associate myself with any riff-raff rabble would ill become any man pretending to but common discretion the egyptian skeleton which they brought into their feasts and exposed to the view of their guests with this advice that they should not in their merriment forget they would shortly be themselves such as that was though it was a sight not so acceptable as may be supposed had yet this conveniency and use to incite the spectators not to luxury and drunkenness but to mutual love and friendship persuading them not to protract a life in itself short and uncertain by a tedious course of wickedness three in discourses of this kind we spent our time by the way and were now come to the house here thales would not be washed for he had but a while before anointed himself wherefore he took a round to view the horse-race and the wrestling-place and the grove upon the water-side which was neatly trimmed and beautified by periander this he did 
not so much to satisfy his own curiosity, for he seldom or never admired anything he saw, but that he might not disoblige, periander, or seem to overlook or despise the glory and magnificence of our host. Of the rest, every one, after he had anointed and washed himself, the servants introduced into a particular room, purposely fitted and prepared for the men, they were guided thither through a porch in which Anacarsis sat, and there was a certain young lady with him arranging his hair. This lady, stepping forward to welcome Thales, he saluted her most courteously, and, smiling, said, Madam, make the stranger fair and pleasant, so that, being, as he is, the mildest man in the world, he may not be fearful and hideous for us to look on. When I was curious to inquire who this lady was, whom Thales thus complimented, he said, do you not yet know the wise and famous Eumetis? For so her father calls her, though others call her after her father's name, Cleobulina. Doubtless, saith Niloxenus, they call her by this name to commend her judgment and wit and her reach into the more abstruse and recondite part of learning. For I have myself in Egypt seen and read some problems first started and discussed by her. Not so, saith Thales, for she plays with these as men do with cockle-bones, and encounters boldly all she meets, without study or premeditation. She is a person of an admirable understanding, of a politic capacious mind, of a very obliging conversation, and one that, by her rhetoric, and the sweetness of her temper prevails upon her father to govern his subjects with the greatest mildness in the world. How popular she is appears, saith Niloxenus, plainly to any that observes her pleasant, innocent garb. But pray, continues he, wherefore is it that she shows such tenderness and affection to Anacarsis? Because replied Thales, he is a temperate and learned man, who fully and freely makes known to her those mysterious ways of dieting and physicking the sick which are now in use among the Scythians, and I doubt not she now coaxes and courts the old gentleman at the rate you see, taking this opportunity to discourse with him and learn something of him. As we were come near the dining-room, Alexidemus, the Milesian, a bastard son of Thrasybulus the tyrant, met us. He seemed to be disturbed, and in an angry tone muttered to himself some words which we could not distinctly hear. But espying Thales, and recovering himself out of his disorder, he complained how Periander had put an insufferable affront upon him. He would not permit me, saith he, to go to sea, though I earnestly importuned him, but he would press me to dine with him, and when I came, as invited, he assigned me a seat, unbecoming my person and character, Aeolians and islanders and others of inferior rank being placed above me, whence it is easy to infer how meanly he thinks of my father, and it is undeniable how this affront put upon me rebounds disgracefully in my parents' face. Say you so? quoth Thales, are you afraid lest the place lessen or diminish your honour and worth, 
as the egyptians commonly hold the stars are magnified or lessened according to their higher or lower place and position and are you more foolish than that spartan who when the perfect of the music had appointed him to sit in the lowest seat in the choir replied this is prudently done for this is the ready way to bring this seat into repute and esteem it is a frivolous consideration where or below whom we sit and it is a wiser part to adapt ourselves to the judgment and humour of our right and left-hand man and the rest of the company that we may approve ourselves worthy of their friendship when they find we take no pet at our host but are rather pleased to be placed near such good company and whosoever is disturbed upon the account of his place seems to be more angry with his neighbour than with his host but certainly is very troublesome and nauseous to both these are fine words and no more quoth alexidemus for i observe you the wisest of men as ambitious as other men and having said thus he passed by us doggedly and trooped off thales seeing us admiring the innocence of the man declared he was a fellow naturally of a blockish stupid disposition for when he was a boy he took a parcel of rich perfume that was presented to thrasybulus and poured it into a large bowl and mixing it with a quantity of wine he drank it off and was ever hated for it as thales was talking after this fashion in comes a servant and tells us it was periander's pleasure we would come in and inform him what we thought of a certain creature brought into his presence that instant whether it were so born by chance or were a prodigy and omen himself seeming mightily affected and concerned for he judged his sacrifice polluted by it at the same time he walked before us into a certain house adjoining to his garden wall where we found a young beardless shepherd tolerably handsome who having opened a leathern bag produced and showed us a child born as he averred of a mare his upper part as far as his neck and his hands was of human shape and the rest of his body resembled a perfect horse his cry was like that of a child newly born as soon as niloxenus saw it he cried out the gods deliver us and away he fled as one sadly affrighted but thales eyed the shepherd a considerable while and then smiling for it was his way to jeer me perpetually about my art says he i doubt not diocles but you have been all this time seeking for some expiatory offering and intending to call to your aid those gods whose province and work it is to avert evils from men as if some great and grievous thing had happened why not quoth i for undoubtedly this prodigy portends sedition and war and i fear the dire portents thereof may extend to myself my wife and my children and prove all our ruin since before i have atoned for my former fault the goddess gives us this second evidence in proof of her displeasure thales replied never a word but laughing went out of the house periander meeting him at the door inquired what we thought of that creature he dismissed me and taking periander by the hand said whatever diocles shall persuade you to do do it at your best leisure but i advise you either not to have such young men to keep your mares or to give them leave to marry 
when periander heard him out he seemed infinitely pleased for he laughed outright and hugging thales in his arms he kissed him then saith he o oh, diocles i am apt to think the worst is over and what this prodigy portended is now at an end for do you not apprehend what a loss we have sustained in the want of Alexidemus's good company at supper for when we entered the house thales raising his voice inquired where it was his worship refused to be placed which being shown him he set himself in that very place and prayed us to sit down by him and said i would gladly give any money to have an opportunity to sit and eat with ardalus this ardalus was a troezenian by birth by profession a minstrel and a priest of the ardalian muses whose temple old ardalus had founded and dedicated here aesop who was sent from croesus to visit periander and withal to consult the oracle at delphi sitting by and beneath solon upon a low stool told the company this fable a lydian mule viewing his own picture in a river and admiring the bigness and beauty of his body raises his crest he waxes proud resolving to imitate the horse in his gait and running but presently recollecting his extraction how that his father was but an ass at best he stops his career and checks his own haughtiness and bravery chilo replied after his short laconic way you are slow and yet try to run in imitation of your mule amidst these discourses in comes melissa and sits her down by periander eumetus followed and came in as we were at supper then thales calls to me i sat down above bias why do you not make bias acquainted with the problem sent him from the king by niloxenus this second time that he may soberly and warily weigh them bias answered i have been already scared with that news i have known that bacchus is otherwise a powerful god and for his wisdom is termed lucius that is the interpreter therefore i shall undertake it when my belly is full of wine thus they jested and reparteed and played one upon another all the while they sat at table observing the unwanted frugality of periander at this time i considered with myself that the entertainment of wise and good men is a piece of good husbandry and that so far from enhancing a man's expenses in truth it serves to save charge the charge to wit of costly foreign unguents and junkets and the waste of the richest wines which periander's state and greatness required him every day in his ordinary treats to expend such costly provisions were useless here and periander's wisdom appeared in his frugality moreover his lady had laid aside her richer habit and appeared in an ordinary but a very becoming dress five supper now ended and melissa having distributed the garlands we offered sacrifice and when the minstrel had played us a tune or two she withdrew then ardalus inquired of anacharsis if there were women fiddlers at scythia he suddenly and smartly replied there are no vines there ardalus asked a second question whether the scythians had any gods among them yes quoth anacharsis and they understand what men say to them 
nor are the Scythians of the Grecian opinion, however these last may be the better orators, that the gods are better pleased with the sounds of flutes and pipes than with the voice of men. My friend, said Aesop, what would you say if you saw our present pipe-makers throw away the bones of fawns and hind-calves to use those of asses, affirming they yield the sweeter and more melodious sound? whereupon Cleobulina made one of her riddles about the Phrygian flute in regard to the sound, and wondered that an ass, a gross animal, and no lover of music, should yet afford bones so fit for harmony. Therefore it is doubtless, quoth Niloxenus, that the people of Bucerus accuse us Naucratians of folly for using pipes made of asses' bones, it being an insufferable fault in any of them to listen to the flute, or cornet, the sound thereof being, as they esteem it, so like the braying of an ass, and you know an ass is hateful to the Egyptians, on account of Typhon. 6. There happening here a short silence, Periander observing Niloxenus, willing but not daring to speak, said, I cannot but commend the civility of those magistrates who give audience first to strangers, and afterwards to their own citizens wherefore i judge it convenient that we inhabitants and neighbours should proceed no farther at present in our discourse and that now attention be given to those royal propositions sent us from egypt which the worthy niloxenus is commissioned to deliver to bias who desires that he and we may scan and examine them together and bias said for where or in what company would a man more joyfully adventure to give his opinion than here in this and since it is his majesty's pleasure that i should give my judgment first in obedience to his commands i will do so and afterwards they shall come to every one of you in order then niloxenus delivered the paper to bias who broke up the seal and commanded it to be read in all their hearing the contents were these Amasis, the king of Egypt, Tobias, the wisest of the Grecians, greeting. There is a contest between my brother of Ethiopia and myself about wisdom, and, being baffled in diverse other particulars, he now demands of me a thing absurd and impracticable, for he requires me to drink up the ocean dry. If I be able to read this his riddle, diverse cities and towns now in his possession are to be annexed to my kingdom. But if I cannot resolve this hard sentence, and give him the right meaning thereof, he requires of me my right to all the towns bordering upon Elephantina. Consider with speed the premises, and let me receive your thoughts by Niloxenus. Pray lose no time if in anything i can be serviceable to your city or friends you may commend me farewell bias having perused and for a little time meditated upon the letter and whispering cleobulus in the ear he said by him exclaimed what a narration is here o niloxenus will amasis who governs so many men and is seized of so many flourishing territories drink up the ocean for the gain of a few paltry beggarly villages niloxenus replied with a smile consider good sir 
what is to be done if he will obey why then said bias let amasis require the ethiopian king to stop the streams which from all parts flow and empty themselves in the ocean until he have drunk out the whole remainder for i conceive he means the present waters not those which shall flow into it hereafter niloxenus was so overjoyed at this answer that he could not contain himself he hugged and kissed the author and the whole company liked his opinion admirably well and chilo laughing desired niloxenus to get aboard immediately before the sea was consumed and tell his master he should mind more how to render his government sweet and potable to his people than how to swallow such a quantity of salt water for bias he told him understands these things very well and knows how to oblige your lord with very useful instructions which if he vouchsafe to attend he shall no more need a golden basin to wash his feet to gain respect from his subjects all will love and honour him for his virtue though he were ten thousand times more hateful to them than he is it were well and worthily done quoth periander if all of us did pay him our first fruits in this kind by the pole as homer said such a course would bring him an accession of profit greater than the whole profit of the voyage besides being of no little use to ourselves seven to this point it is fit that solon should first speak quoth chilo not only because he is the eldest in the company and therefore sits uppermost at table but because he governs and gives laws to the amplest and most complete and flourishing republic in the world that of athens here niloxenus whispered me in the ear o oh, diocles saith he how many reports fly about and are believed and how some men delight in lies which they either feign of their own heads are most greedily swallowed from the mouths of others in egypt i heard it reported how chilo had renounced all friendship and correspondence with solon because he maintained the mutability of laws a ridiculous fiction quoth i for then he and we must have renounced lycurgus who changed the laws and indeed the whole government of sparta solon pausing a while gave his opinion in these words i conceive that monarch whether king or tyrant whether king or tyrant were infinitely to be commended who would exchange his monarchy for a commonwealth bias subjoined and who would be first and foremost in conforming to the laws of his country thales added i reckon that prince happy who being old dies in his bed a natural death fourthly anacarsis if he alone be a wise man fifthly cleobulus said if he trusted none of his courtiers sixthly pittacus spake thus if he could cause his subjects to have fear not of him but for him lastly chilo concluded thus a magistrate ought to have thoughts purposes and resolutions not mean and earthly but divine and immortal when all had given in their judgments upon this point we requested periander he would condescend to give the company the satisfaction to let them know his thoughts upon the same head disorder and discontent appearing in his countenance he said these opinions are enough to scare any wise man from effecting empire 
These things, saith Aesop, after his fault-finding way, ought rather to have been discussed privately among ourselves, lest we be accounted anti-monarchical, while we desire to be esteemed friends and loyal counsellors. Solon, gently clapping him upon the shoulder and smiling, answered, do you not perceive that any one would make a king more moderate and a tyrant more favorable, who should persuade him that it is better not to reign than to reign? Then we must believe you before the oracle delivered unto you, quoth Aesop, which pronounced that city happy that heard but one crier. Yes, quoth Solon, and Athens, though now a commonwealth hath but one crier and one magistrate, and that is the law, though the government be democratical. But you, my friend, have been so accustomed to the croaking of ravens and the prating of jays that you do not hear your own voice, for you maintain it to be the happiness of a city to be under the command of one man, and yet account it the praise of a feast if liberty is allowed to every man to speak his mind freely upon what subject he pleases but you have not prohibited your servants' drunkenness, as you have forbidden them to love or to use dry ointments. Solon laughed at this, but Cleodorus, the physician, said, To use dry ointment is like talking when a man is drenched with wine. Both are very pleasant. Therefore, saith Chilo, it concerns men the more carefully to avoid it. Aesop proceeds, Thales seemed to imply that he should soon grow old. End of section 1